Chapter 17 Last Exit to Enfield Another difference between me and Jim Morrison. He sang about the doors of perception. I talk about the doors of the sardine cannery in Ipswich. I have no understanding of people, no insight into character, no compassion, no empathy, and no grasp of reality. Therefore, I do pretty well in the modern world. My imagination is racing ahead of my experience, and the result is an accelerated art novel with no plot. I am informed by rock music, distorted samples and dub, orange and green horror films, mad animal sex, and stories about fat aliens. I get all my biological information from airline magazines. I take courses in applied scatology. I am interested in angels and sea snakes rising from pools of black silk. I have planned a career in literary terrorism in advance. The following signal was intercepted and decoded by a satellite put into orbit by the Japanese cat food conglomerate Pussygut 25. The satellite subsequently exploded. Japanese scientists sent the message in tape form to an underground station. The aggressive containers used by the covert station imploded under the sinister energies and into the wet brain of a young man working on a waste incineration plant in North London. Through his hands, this message reached textual climax. D.P. Goodchild is the author of over 30 highly acclaimed and willfully sick novels, including Hair Burglars, Light Bulbs on Stilts, and Fuckwad, My Life in a Bush of Puss. He lives and works in Enfield, North London. Automatic biography, queasy memoirs. Written by David Goodchild. I have already written the first pure moron masterpiece, and this is my automatic biography. Biography as a lethal weapon in complete metal trousers. My third book will be a biography of Link Ray, followed by a full-blown kinky sex manual, a classic pulp science fiction blockbuster, a collection of Edmonton ghost stories, and a dense boil of hot images. After that, I'll play it by ear. Relocate to Paris. Not to satisfy some bohemian impulse, you understand. No, I just love garlic. And that thing that French girls do with their tongues. Ralph the Vampire tucks into a generous portion of shepherd's pie expecting the hot, lush taste of virgin's blood. SHIT! He thinks. I taste onions! 
In Paris, I will adopt the habit of walking around Montmartre out of my head on cheap potato juice, smashing into lampposts and continuously breaking my Roman nose. My activities will make all the papers. By this time, I will be writing my full-blown kinky sex manual and thousands of sex-starved French harlots will be queuing up to lick my love lance as Jacques Briel in the background. Then, suddenly, I will throw them out, claiming to have met and fallen hoof over claw in love with a methylated spirit with love rabies. I will romance Rachel over floodlit dinners and whisper sweet potatoes into her inner ear. Like all women, she will find this oral gardening irresistible and leap onto my ape-like body. Our whirlwind love affair will be front-page news. Hurricane Orgy will hit Paris with a red-hot whiplash. I will dine on shredded veal and insult the president at dinner over squat cigars and distilled pig juice. After this, I will move to San Francisco. I will frequent Vesuvio's and steal pens from the counter. My science fiction classic, Crab Fucks, the gruesome and emotional story of two heroes who are infected by fat alien zombie pods, is causing a heatwave. In the grand tradition of Orson Welles, I will warn of an imminent crab fuck invasion live on Radio 1. Legions of tiny science fiction fans will go on the rampage, burning effigies of Arthur C. Clarke and Isaac Asimov, claiming D.P. Goodchild to be the true messiah. Of course, my only interest in sci-fi will be for its value in juicing up an accelerated art novel. Worship ye not false idols! Within days, the collective stench emanating from these vast swarms of Trekkies that will eat a huge hole in the ozone layer, causing massive biohazards throughout the Western world. This will be the basis for my ecological thriller, Hotspots. The success of this blockbuster will allow me a certain amount of hectic airtime with David Letterman and give me enough cash to move back to my beloved Edmonton. When I left for Paris, I hired a beautiful hunchback to collect a wealth of local ghost stories. By the time I returned, there was enough information for a large tome on ectoplasmic events. This book made me a hero in Edmonton. Its tales of bloodstained goblins crawling in the walls of Edmonton Green Shopping Centre and legends of the Wallabery Phantom of Angel Road Station made me a ghoulish star. It also allowed local exorcists to quickly locate and eradicate hard-to-find beasties. The Edmonton Exorcism Society lovingly referred to it as the A to Z. I made a lot of friends this way. As I lounged in my plush Edmonton apartment, I cooked up my next project. Eric, a close exorcist pal of mine, suggested that I write a dense boil of hot images. I agreed. Flicking green ash from my cheroot, I jumped from the launch pad. Chapter 18, Out of the Brain Pan and Into the Fire, or A Dense Boil of Hot Images. Marlon Brando is a shambling beast. Everyone is unique, everyone has a weird heartbeat and butterflies in the lungs, everyone is a star and life is too fascinating to waste on repeating the same old patterns. Ask any snowflake.
Chapter 19 Breaking up blisters is hard to do. Confident in my new role as supersonic writing machine, I am now free to imagine a thousand dimensions intersecting in my pineal gland. All my paranoid delusions have evaporated. Throughout the composition of my first novel, I listened exclusively to highly amplified guitar noise. During the composition of the current project, I switch over to the eccentric and bizarre. Now I wake up to dock at the radar station, consume cornflakes to duck stab, gyrate my hips to trout mask replica, and write in furious, frothy waves as minimalist post-rock pulses in the background. Aren't you amazed at just how cool I really am? If you are a male, you are almost certainly racked to the bladder with green strands of toxic envy. If you are female, you are almost certainly on the verge of deep and giddy orgasm. See if you can pick up my potent vibe. I'm listening to something as I write this. See if you can guess what it is. The winner will receive an all-exclusive trip to Mark Shambles' Freak Happy Aphid Farm in San Diego. Runners-up will receive a set of genuine DP Good Child sex clones. Fuck them! Feed them! Hug them! Just don't ignore them! Get close and you can really smell that DNA! Chapter 20 Pete Shelley Pete Shelley is sick and tired. This is the man who sang boredom with the buzzcocks and inspired Mary Shelley to spawn a golem. Every time he tries to catch the bus, a wet, flapping pod flails out from the side of the vehicle and slaps him in the face. Apart from this minor glitch, this dimension is normal. Only Pete Shelley is subject to such attacks. For everyone else, it's business as normal. For instance, I am tapping away, my silence is lit up with the teeming neon, when I suddenly decide to write a short play. This dramatic work will radically influence the way in which Mrs. Rita Faggot of 36 Lincoln Way Enfield will drink her lemon tea. Even her mad deaf parrot Jasper notices the way her hand trembles as she grips the mug. Worth noting that the contents of this queasy memoir may not represent the current mental state and life experience of the author who is now 51 years old. Apologies for any offence, it was all intentional. Automatic biography. Queasy memoirs. Written by David Goodchild. Read, edited and published by Mike Pierce. It is imperative that you wash your limbs and arteries down with bleach and formaldehyde after exposure to this rabbit signal.